um, today's episode is is um, quite an interesting one, and um, I say that almost about all my episodes, but this one's particularly one is is definitely an interesting one because it's going to be a very good conversation um, with a an empowerment coach. So um, as you guys know, I'm as uh, no no secret that I I, I like to dive into. Um, you know, the life of an expat and, and, and the experiences of an expat. I've done various episodes on that uh, in the past, you know, all the way about, you know, the chronicles of this promised land that we consider the United States or North America, um, you know, um, working here, living here, you know, all sorts of things. I've discussed that with with my friends who who uh, have shared that same journey as I have or similar journey as I have. So those discussions were, were mainly from a drawing room expert's perspective as this whole podcast is is about that mostly. Um, but every now and then we do invite an actual expert to talk about these things. And this uh, and in this episode, I have um, Ms. Serena Tariq, who's going to be joining us um, uh, and you're going to be listening and and hopefully benefiting from this conversation. Uh, she is an empowerment coach. She has more than three years of experience, you know, uh, supporting, you know, a lot of clients here uh, in North America. Predominantly, uh, she comes from an expat background herself. So she um, definitely understands the challenges and, and the perspective of that. She is a clinical hypnotherapist, um, a, a certified neuro uh, linguistic programming practitioner um and also dives into cognitive behavior as well which is which is uh something that i'm particularly interested in um so all in all a very you know uh a capable guest on the podcast hope you uh benefit from this conversation uh if you're interested in booking a a conversation a session with zarina i'll be tagging her her uh socials and her website um in the description as well so feel free to uh go to our website check her out um you know if um if if the if, if that's something you want to explore and really work on yourself i think self um empowerment is also something that is a an ongoing conversation these days so i think uh, it will be of great benefit um whoever's listening um and, and interested in um self-development so hope you guys enjoy the episode uh feel free to uh, subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify, um, Google, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, um, and the whole lot. Um, enjoy. But but as I was thinking about this, and I was I was getting excited about this, ex- uh, this episode particularly. Um, what I went back to was, was why I am doing this, these, these podcasts, these episodes, and what really, um, helped me understand why I was doing this was, um, is, is because I wanted to get a, a lot of the expat, uh, perspective out, um, especially to North American audiences who perhaps share the same journey as I have, or, uh, are going through similar problems or similar you know, um, issues that I do or things that I think about. Um, so um, all of that has been explored to a certain degree with, you know, my friends or I've done it myself in my solo episodes and whatnot. But what has been missing from all of that has been an actual expert. I know the podcast is the Drawing Room Expert, but, you know, 
if you haven't noticed so far, we're not actually experts here. But uh, this particular episode, as I was saying, is different because we actually have an you know an you know, an expert um, in 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 what we're going to be talking about. We really have those. Uh, so without any further ado, welcome to the podcast, Serena. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me, Zabe. And I completely hear you. The planning phase can be so much more exciting than actually getting yourself down to doing it. But yeah. um, I think the approach that you're using is is great because connecting ourselves to our why, you know, mm. why are we doing this in the first place is one of the, you know, best motivation strategies that we can use. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So generally what I wanted to discuss here in the, on this this episode, I mean, we can dive into your personal journey as well a little bit before we, you know, talk about, you know, the experiences that we wanted to discuss in this. And you and I were discussing this before before we uh, decided to record um, as to what topics. I think what would really be interesting and I wanted to explore with you was the experiences of an expat and mm. and and also something that which is co- kind of related to this and and sort of not as well is this is a career shift for you this is an again another kind of a stigma in our, in our part of the world that you if uh, if you've done you know doctorate or you've done an you've done accounting or engineering that's it like that you're going to stick with that Life forever sentence whether you like it or not because sometimes you know and it's very common not sometimes I think seldom i think people realize midway into working actual jobs and they're like this this is not what i thought this is not what i thought it's going to be even when they're studying for it that they mid um, um you know student life they realize that this is not what i want to do but they are so it's such it's considered almost non-serious of you if you change paths so i mean mm-hmm. how did you a first let's ex- explore what your previous career was and how is that different from this one and then how did you come around that because i'm sure there must have been some questions not just around you but i think within you as well oh yeah um that's that's a big question a loaded question but i'll um you know try to keep it as brief as possible because i know that we have lots of exciting stuff to talk about when it comes to expats and the challenges that we face, right? Um, But when it comes to my career shift, um, so I, you know, majored in economics. I then I went and started working in market research in Procter & Gamble, uh, spent four years there. Then I started working in marketing. Um, To tell you the truth, like from the get-go, I felt like these corporate jobs, even though, you know, having graduated from the university that I graduated from, these were the most sought after jobs. I'm sure. So I should have been grateful, which is what I kept telling myself and what I, you know, kept hearing around me. But it just really never clicked with me. And it clicks for a lot of people, by the way. So I'm not taking away from, you know, it being the right kind of job um, for a lot of people. But for me personally, it really just didn't, you know, do the trick. Um, so very early on, I was disillusioned, but, you know, having said that I've always been an overachiever, a perfectionist, you know, like had to give my and all humble. to each and everything <laughs> and humble. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this is how I do it. I kind of like a little no bit of banter in between, <laughs> peppering do, a little bit of banter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so it, it was very difficult for me to wrap my head around it, right? Like I, you know, was coming from this background of I need to be the best at everything I do. 
I don't know why, but it just needs to be true. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so I'm trying to give my all to these jobs and, and it's going well, but I am just not happy with the way that I feel. I'm super disillusioned with life. I'm feeling stuck. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling helpless. So I'm burning myself out. I'm not addressing whatever it is that I'm feeling. Um, I don't really have any long-term or mid-term plans. And I think um, when I was in Dubai, so when I was in the UAE and working in market, uh, marketing, which is like just a super, super strenuous job. And I think the Middle Eastern work environment is just cutthroat. So I was working mm -hmm. over 12 hour days. You know, my sister's a doctor, like even she was just like, what are you doing? You know, even I don't work this long. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think when I look back at that, you know, corporate gig that I had, the very last one, um, I'm grateful for it because it literally just, you know, pushed me over the edge completely burnt out to the point where even getting out of bed became a task and a half, yep. you know, yep. I had to like start calling in sick to work. And this was very unlike me. And it was very, mm -hmm. you know, like I felt like a lot of shame, a lot of um, just felt so stuck, you mm -hmm. know, um, and couldn't really put my finger on it. Um, thankfully, that's when I came across coaching. Right. Um, and I started going and seeing a coach for myself. So I started my journey into this industry as a client, like sitting across the table right. from my coach and at one of the probably lowest points in my life where not just work wise, but personally, um, even relationships, friends, family, everything mm -hmm. was just rock bottom. Um, and yeah, so that's where I started my journey. It, it wasn't like oh my God, I took one session and my entire life has changed, but it was more to the effect of, which is a common misconception. Yeah. We always tried chasing those magic pills and those quick fixes. Mm -hmm. But once I started doing that, I started going for those sessions, I started to see things so differently, Zabe. Like mm -hmm. I, I think I, for the first time in my life, discovered the agency that I have, the choices that I have made and the choices that I can make. Like I felt so stuck, but like I just needed to kind of like reacquaint myself with the fact that right. these are all choices and I can still change my situation. And so one thing led to another, long story short, um, I, you know, I took some time off work and for my own self-development um, after taking, you know, quite a few coaching sessions I, I, you know, got uh, a certification in coaching in NLP, which is like mm -hmm. neurolinguistic programming, did that certification for myself. You know, I never thought in, in a thousand years that I would become a coach, but I thought mm -hmm. this is what I need right now. Um, and then I started taking more and more certifications because I just couldn't stop. And um, finally, I just resigned from my job and uh, started doing this full time. And even to date, like I'm, I'm taking, you know, you know, constantly learning and growing in terms of building my practice, because I feel like there is just so much information, so many tools out there um, mm -hmm. that we're not exposed to. So in order to support my clients in the best way possible, both consciously and subconsciously, you know, I'm just in that constant pursuit of, okay, like, you know, what else can I add to my, you know, skill set right. so I can best support my clients? And honestly, haven't looked back since. 
Yeah, I mean, so what what I found really interesting about your background, I mean, you mentioned that you worked in in marketing and and um, this particular shift, although does seem on paper quite drastic uh, to your previous life uh, professionally, but I do get a sense that there are some parallels that are perhaps, I mean, from as an outsider I can draw, I mean, in marketing, you're pretty much selling something which is perhaps bigger than you or better than you or you, you're almost kind of like hey you want you want this or you need this almost like selling an idea which is what i would feel a coach perhaps would do i haven't sat through a session myself i don't know maybe this one counts as i don't know but um <laughs> but but i haven't sat through that so i i don't know uh exactly how it works but what i do think it may may be close to that is um is that you're trying to elevate people you're trying to give them a perspective on their 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 potential which is i would i would think you know where your marketing skills would come in handy is that is that true you know um you're you're so right like i feel like marketing but also a lot of the work that i did in market research was super relevant like mm. even right now there was a lot of training yeah there was a lot of training facilitation that was always something that i was that was probably the favorite part of my job running those yeah. trainings developing them um you know um building that capability in-house within the organization and so on and so forth so that was the part that really used to excite me and mm -hmm. and being that like because in market research um i was like the in-house consultant so to speak for the sales mm -hmm. and the marketing teams and the management team so you know there, there was this constant like data backed kind yeah. of you know approach and yeah. even right now it's very similar to the approach that i use in my coaching that i'm i'm not just like one end of the spectrum so if there are two ends of the spectrum like one super scientific and the other one is super spiritual and woo woo mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. i feel like i kind of lie in the middle and bridge both right so the data the science all of that is important to me right like to understand that okay is this just fluff or does this actually work yeah. um but then also the spiritual aspects of it are something that you know you can't really do any of this work without yeah you can't deny those point. yeah 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 agreed yeah. agreed um I, I think what 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 really in, interests me about about you know career changes as well and i, and I talked to uh, i think my friend um one of our previous episodes i was discussing this and one of our experiences were that you know we had skill sets that we were growing up with which we thought were hobbies but you know and i just asked my friend and i said you know, did you ever think that, you know, that this is a hobby because that you would never be able, you'll never be allowed to convert this into a career? Or you genuinely thought that, hey, I'm, I don't want to do this. I just, you know, I just like unwinding myself and playing guitar, for example, as I do, or, you know, you know, doing other things like sports or whatever. Um, so, I mean, the, the interesting that I think that I've discovered over here, at least in North American lifestyle is that people do this all the time i had a partner when i was working in consulting who in his previous life was a jazz musician and he did that for like 10 years he was on the road like he was a proper musician it was he would go around the country playing music uh, jazz music at that and then all of a sudden he thought okay you know what this is not working out i'm just gonna go to school go back to school do my cpas become an accountant you know, signed for a firm, which he did, and then ended up to 10, 15 years later becoming a partner, which is 
un unbelievable in for me at least i was like how does this how is this even possible how can people explore two different lives it's like living two different lives so yeah. do you think that's changing careers especially at that you know is it is it is it is it based out of i don't know privilege but i say privilege very respectfully uh, or is it something that you feel like you know everyone has the choice and the option but people just limit themselves i mean this is going goes back to what you do with your coaching as well you kind of like unlock those potentials where you say you don't limit yourself so do you think that's a matter of limiting oneself or is it actually realities of economic realities also play a role i think i think it's a little bit of both honestly zeb mm -hmm. um for sure like it it does depend you know not everybody can just resign from their job and mm -hmm. and have like a perfect life and switch careers and you know go and um go after their photography you know careers yeah, or XYZ. Yeah. like it takes a while to obviously build it up mm -hmm. um so for sure it's you need the resources you need to think it through it can't just be one of those impulsive decisions but at the same time i feel like also from the culture that we come from um there's we haven't normalized these career switches we haven't normalized like you said you know these hobbies that we have potentially when when we were growing up be it photography be it playing the guitar be it mm. anything right um we don't really take them seriously and it, it's not encouraged or we're not motivated to take it seriously unless it's yeah. anything to do with becoming a you know a, a doctor or an engineer or an accountant yeah. or like so on and so forth like is it yeah. monetizable in today's day and age you can monetize pretty much everything right yep. like i feel like this the latest generation they're living in a you know in an age where they're monetizing you know their lives on tiktok so yeah. um i'm not sitting here saying we should do that or we shouldn't do that there's no right or wrong mm -hmm. but i just feel like um there is that choice that a lot of the times we don't take or we think log kya kahenge uh -huh. or we think that oh you know this means this means we're a failure or this means um you know it didn't work out or what will people think but actually that's that's really not the case because we we have that agency and we have that choice to choose our own path so if that path isn't quitting our you know quitting your job and like starting off like your own business from scratch like the very mm -hmm. next day maybe it's doing both in parallel and I've, i know right. a lot of people who've done that and then finally reaching a point where you feel like okay this is now on its feet and now i can quit my job great right you yeah know? yeah um but there's always that choice and there's always those free number of hours or minutes and those priorities like in a day those priorities that we can make to make it a reality but i feel like it's looked down upon and it's considered oh you're confused or yeah. just to give your all like you know we don't really have that concept of you know living more holistic lives in mm. terms of like these are our hobbies but we can take them seriously this is just not like for fun and um and it's something that you know like when we grow up we won't have time for them and that's okay we can continue to take them seriously because we keep going through so many different seasons of life right yeah. like at some point you can um you can like monetize like i've um living in toronto over here like there's this new app i don't know if it's in the rest of north america it's called cooking and basically okay. there are these home chefs and home chefs like you and me for example 
Mm-hmm. They provide the delivery, they provide the logistics, they provide the packaging. All you need to do is just make a page, put up your offers, your dishes. You can make like, I don't know, cinnamon rolls or whatever you want. You can mm-hmm. monetize that. That doesn't mean you're no longer a corporate executive. That doesn't mean you're no longer, you know, whatever it is that you do. But that means that you're monetizing something that you actually find therapeutic for yourself. You find cooking right. maybe therapeutic for yourself, you know. So and that needs to be normalized. I think that's that's an interesting point because that also raises another question that when you say oh you don't have to quit your corporate job or you don't have to do this you can do this on the on the side what the undertones of that is that corporate job is better than this right and why mm-hmm. if you really boil it down people people you know if you really boil it down the reason behind that would be economical that oh you earn more quote unquote earn more so then it becomes materialistic that your materialistic mm-hmm. ends mean more than your um you know uh, your spiritual ends or your your mental uh, health ends right so for example as you said that you feel more therapeutic you know cooking or you feel therapeutic gardening or doing other things that you feel like it's just calming for you and you feel good when you do those things you almost society has kind of like created this this environment where those kind of activities are almost like passed on as a hobby and hobby means you almost kind of like look down upon honestly because <laughs> hobbies mean that you do something when you're free and you don't want to do when you're not doing important stuff you know what i mean so so all of a sudden let me you 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 explore this idea of 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 why is this 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 idea that where a corporate job or a quote unquote proper job means more to you in your life or should mean more to you in your life than your own happiness because i think that's where a lot of challenges uh, take place and specifically talking about expats i think you know transitioning into that conversation you know people people are back in pakistan at least are used to living a very rigid you know diet of a life where they say okay this is how it goes you know go to school go to college go to university these are the subjects that you can pick and then from then you go to you know like procter and gamble or you know uh you know uh any of those unilever, big, big corp- unilever yeah. was, that name was escaping <laughs> me for some reason but you do that and then you know perhaps maybe get a transfer and you know work abroad or something so that's that's like almost like a staple diet of a life that you like almost imagine for yourself at, back in pakistan but when you come over here you realize there's there's others other so ways more. so much more that you can yeah. do um yeah. so and and that i i feel like creates that you know self doubt and then you know people sometimes lose sight of what they actually are because you know you take a a thirsty person to the pond you know they're going to try and drink the whole pond which is obviously unrealistic so that's what i i feel like sometimes what happens is that you go from a completely rigid controlled stapled life to yeah. this you know massive land of opportunities and you feel like you end up losing your yourself even more because then you're like all over the place almost that's where mm-hmm. i feel like you know there has to be a little bit of more you know uh you need to take it step by step so what do you think about i mean do you feel like that that is a a classic challenge for expats when they come over here or you know come go anywhere and they feel like there's this massive other world that they never knew about yeah Yeah, no 100%. You're you're so right because it's like going from that cookie cutter kind of life to suddenly there's so many opportunities, everybody's 
had a head start over mm-hmm. you because like you know so that self doubt and mm-hmm. um just questioning yourself and also that overwhelm is very yeah. real and i think the overwhelm like the number one thing that overwhelms you know a uh, results in is inaction and like complete paralysis right because yeah. you get so overwhelmed you keep hearing about what your coworkers your colleagues friends of friends people you've heard about what they're doing around you and you just think oh my god like what am i doing here and i've i thought i was the best of the best doing you know xyz in my career and now i'm here and everybody's priorities are a little more well rounded or they're looking at their lives a little more holistically and they've <laughs> had such a huge head start and then you can't help but feel disgruntled and almost like a little bit of a victim and feel sorry for yourself and it's like a very common thing that i found you know i think personally in my experiences as as, as an expat also mm-hmm. you know amongst my friends and family also and and even like across clients that okay like that comparison you know comes in where you think mm-hmm. oh like this friend of mine or this colleague of mine has been taking guitar lessons or i don't know has been skiing since yeah. he was 4 years old so like what's the point of me even trying at 30 like what's the point yeah like, yeah yeah or at 40 a small anecdote i think related to this is what what i experienced when i first moved here was you know there's this culture over here that every time on a monday they ask you oh so what did you do this weekend you know first yeah. couple of times you know i was like okay you know i was new so yeah i did this and that and then after uh, you know a few weeks i was like i just slept i don't and then they have these stories <laughs> to tell and i almost felt like guilty that i don't have any story to tell yeah. because i didn't do anything because what am i supposed to do i've never done these kind of things like outdoorsy activities you know the most the max you would do back in pakistan was like go out with friends and that was also like not like every weekend it would be once in a few weeks or a months activity and that too to go eat or if there's a good movie out you go watch a movie yeah or you would just spend hours sitting on the streets just talking right right so that's not yeah. an activity it's just chatting right so so you know i've almost felt like so guilty and at, at one point i have to like i mean i got to say i i started making things up honestly I was like you know i <laughs> i knew I was that like, was uh, coming <laughs> i mean like, yeah i went like i don't know i went hiking or whatever you know and just it was just so i, I felt i started feeling left out of the conversation because i didn't have nothing to share and i feel like that happens with a lot of people when they come over here that they realize you know it's 95 which they consider what their real life is back home there's actually more mm-hmm. to them because they really make sure that they do other things you know spend time with their kids go out you know play soccer on saturdays with their kids or whatever or just like go hiking or go even if they have one day in the weekend they would go camping somewhere which is you know something that i would never imagine uh, me doing or anybody around me doing back in karachi yeah yeah that's so true that is so true i feel like over here there's this like and this is part of the culture shock that i think you know mm-hmm. us like south asians or pakistanis like we experience where we feel kind of left out and i think it just kind of underlines that entire like lack of belonging you know if mm-hmm. you're a first generation expat you're already trying to fit in um you're trying to do your best at your job let's say because that's basically what making it is like that's the yeah. definition of you know having made it and then suddenly you realize that people actually have a lot of other things on their plate it's not like they're 
just eating, you know, like their career slice of career, but there's like so many other slices of the pie. Um, yeah. And you do feel like you're lagging behind, you do feel overwhelmed. And exactly like, you know, what did you do over the weekend? And so many of my clients have had similar stories. Um, mm -hmm. So many expats, because most of my clients are, you know, expats, like a fair chunk of them. Um, yep. and, and women, uh, a lot of them from Pakistan, you know, across like Australia, North America, the UK, like everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like also uh, as we speak more about the the rest of the challenges that expats may you know face, but it's it's uncanny how similar all, regardless of the continent, regardless of so many different like you know geographical limitations, the issues that we face are so so similar, which means like there's this entire community which is completely like untapped, probably not necessarily talking to each other not mm -hmm. connected, not maybe, you know, um, primed for getting that support or seeking that support right. um, and feeling just so out of place, right? Um, right. And not necessarily, maybe the resources are available, but because of your own preconceived notions or the culture you're coming from or the stigma or the taboo around seeking support from an expert, whoever the expert may be, whether it's a hypnotherapist, a coach, a therapist, whoever Even it a is. doctor, in my instance. I mean, even going to a doctor, I'm like, why am I going to the... I'm not sick. I don't need to go... Like, those kind of things that you need to almost feel, you know, you need to get used to over here because over here, there's yeah. a concept of having physicals every year. God mm. knows I've never done that, like, back home. We don't do that. those things. The only time when we visit yeah. the doctor is when you have, you know, a little bit of sickness here and there. So those those are new things i mean what i what i really want you to you know really dive into use, using your experiences is the identity crisis that people then go into at, mm. after facing you know the realities of you know a culture shock or an expectation gap of like okay yeah. am i supposed to fit in am i a pakistani a indian or bangladeshi am i a south asian or am i an american right now because mm. what really ch challenges you when that is happening is that same same time in parallel you're in touch with your friends your family back home right and then you're making constant visits as well if you if you're like me i go there every every year almost um so you're almost kind of like you you don't let go of that that previous life you know what i mean and then that 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 increases the the confusion when you come back and feel like okay I'm kind of like living these two lives over here that when mm -hmm. i go back home i am this other person and when i come over here i'm this completely different you know almost like a machine how does how does one recognize that or acknowledge that first and then try and you know come come to terms with it because these are real the, these are real feelings that people you know i'm sure go through yeah yeah that's that's so true 100 and i feel like what makes these feelings even more difficult to go through Zeb is the fact that they're so complicated, yeah. right? There's and there's so much shame and there's so much shame around them. And and for anybody who's listening to this and just to share, like shame is the number one emotion blocking emotion. Okay. And what that means mm -hmm. is that, for example, if I'm feeling sad, but I'm feeling ashamed for feeling sad, I'm not allowing myself to physically, mentally, emotionally process the, the sadness because shame is blocking it it's like you shouldn't yeah. be feeling sad you're abroad you're an expat yeah. you're living it up 
You have the best yeah. job. You shouldn't be mm-hmm. feeling sad. And so the sadness gets stuck in different parts of my body. Wow. And it stays there until, you know, over years, over decades, if we keep like certain complicated and difficult emotions like sadness or guilt or grief, it comes up in chronic illnesses and so on. So that's a conversation for another day. It's yeah. all like, you know, uh, super exciting stuff that it's all connected. It's all connected. It's insane how connected it is. But um, but that shame, like going back to my former point, mm-hmm. is that number one, you know, emotion blocker. And I feel like for expats, that's so common because we don't, number one, we've, come from a place where 90% of the times, okay, we haven't been taught the tools to regulate our emotions, to process and release our emotions, to name our emotions, to acknowledge them, to validate them. We're coming from a place where invalidation or toxic positivity or, oh, just drink more water or pray a little bit more or do this more. And all of these, all of this advice is coming from a good place. But at the same time, our culture or the generation we've come from, the generations we've come from, it hasn't really built a conducive environment for us to actually validate and acknowledge our own experiences, especially Mm -hmm. our emotional experiences, which are so intangible, right? Right. So we're coming from this background into this completely new setting where you know, if we're lucky, we may have friends or family. Yeah. A lot of the times we don't as expats, yep. a lot yep. of the times. And so you're basically going from scratch. You may be looking for a job or you may, if you're lucky, you may already have one. So you're, you have all of this instability or like, you know, starting from scratch in terms of your relationships, your personal life, your professional life, a lot of external triggers. And then what, tops it all off, like the cherry on top, like I said, was we don't have those tools, the know-how to self-regulate, to really understand what we're going through. Mm. And then we're also feeling ashamed because a lot of people, and I've heard this from a lot of my clients, like their family or friends or the people they're closest to back home don't even want to, and these are the people they feel close enough to speak to about their experiences, right? right? A lot of the times, those are then also the people who say, stop complaining. Like, seriously, mm. you're, you're sitting in America. Stop whining. Like, yeah. you, you have it all. We're sitting and, you know, rotting in this hellhole or whatever uh, you want to call it. Like, that's yeah. usually the narrative that you get. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you're earning in dollars. You're this, you're that. And then your own experience of feeling lonely, feeling homesick, feeling the culture shock, just feeling all of these such weird and icky, complicated emotions. You don't know where to go. You just really can, don't know where to go. I can almost imagine mm-hmm. anyone who's probably listening to this and uh, and thinking that, oh, here's these guys again, you know, they're expats. And, you know, again, as you rightfully said, you know, having perfect lives, have no issues with electricity or gas and here they are you know they're privileged whining again oh we're so sad and we somebody please understand us you know we're we, <laughs> we're needy and all of that what do you say to that like because i'm sure that mm. that's a real comment that's a real yeah way people you know un- sure. understand these things the way they, they they translate this into your head they're saying that oh come on get off your high horses of like oh i'm so sad and it's almost like how people react to you know the 
the royal family, you know, and Harry and Prince Harry and all those guys complaining about, you know, media and all that. Come, come, on, come on. You have everything yeah. in the world and now you're complaining just about like, this media intrusion and stuff. What do you say about those things? How, do you, how would you respond to that? I think, like, honestly, I would respond to it by saying... Delete the comment. <laughs> no, no. I would respond to it by saying and just sharing with whoever it is that's listening over here that this is not a competition of who has it worse. It's not. Yep. Yeah. And the reason why we have so many generations of generational baggage and traumas carrying forward and forward and forward is because we feel like we should be grateful. We feel like our experience isn't as bad as, I don't know, at least we're not starving to death. Yes, we yeah. feel like crap, but like, yeah. you know, excuse my not, French, yeah. but like, yeah, so yeah. many people have it worse. And this is like the number one way of invalidating your experience. Now that doesn't mean, like that doesn't mean to say like you and me are sitting here, Zabe, and having this conversation so we can whine together and vent and just talk about, oh, it's not really that great. Yeah, no, yeah, it's so that the first step to changing your situation, be it mentally, emotionally, physically, externally, is to have an unconditional acceptance of what is. Mm. That's it. Right. So unless you have an unconditional acceptance of those icky emotions that you're feeling or the experience that you're going through, you're not going to be able to move forward towards a solution, towards changing your mindset, towards working on it, towards maybe seeking support, right? right. So, so the unconditional acceptance of what is applies to the royal family. It applies to a millionaire. It applies to everybody. It applies to the people in Pakistan, everywhere, right? The only way we... we can move forward is yeah. with that. Yeah. Are we saying? Are we saying, like? we're we're not saying that 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 there are no layers or levels of feeling or having it bad right we're we're still accepting the fact that the guy on the street homeless guy is perhaps worse than me who's at, like has something on like you know a, a shelter with me i, I can eat yeah. i can do we're we're still accepting that those layers and levels exist but what we're of saying course. is that at each level there's a different type of reality that every human being gets to deal with because if going from homelessness to a home means you have it all and you should be grateful and that's it that would mean that every person with a home should be happy which is obviously we know that's not the case right um and then everyone who's a millionaire should be happy then we you know that's not the case everyone should, who's a billionaire should be happy we know that's not the case so happiness is not tied again going back to my earlier comment we almost tie all our happiness and validation and respect from society to material gains be it corporate jobs be it green cards you know be it you know uh being famous and being you know whatever and uh, yeah. that we feel like that's the validation that we need but it's not it, it, sadness and happiness don't depend on these things and we keep saying those things loudly so being thankful is one thing but but um uh you know recognizing as you said you know owning and acknowledging those feelings is another thing it's not like we're saying that don't be thankful right yeah for sure for sure gratitude is like one of the number one ways to uplift your day-to-day -day well-being levels and this mm -hmm. is what i coach my clients on a lot so by no means am i saying that 
you know, don't be thankful. <laughs> Just always right. want more. But yeah. I mean to say that gratitude has its own place, but we just need to be mindful of when it turns into toxic positivity, which is basically distracting ourselves from our current situation or our current challenges. Mm -hmm. It's a way to distract yourself, you know, and we don't want to do that because then right. the emotions are still stuck in our body. Then we mm -hmm. stay, then we look back at our lives and we say, yeah, you know, I spent uh, two years in the States and then you realize, yeah, I never really processed all of that culture shock, that loneliness, that homesickness. I just couldn't do it. I just went back home after two years. So you never processed any of that sadness in order to create any movement in your life. Mm -hmm. You let that emotion stay stuck. Right. You don't want to do that. Right. And then just, you know, also going back to, you know, your experiences with that, with expats you know specifically you know who come from similar backgrounds as you and i do you feel like they uh do you feel like you understand why that stigma exists in the first place where they and these are educated people why by the way these are not people on the streets who end up like one fine morning immigrating to the west these are educated people who've probably gone to the best schools in the country who've probably had access to information and cultures from all around the world. I mean, nowadays, who doesn't? But, you know, these are people who who, who you would expect them to be aware of these things. But when you start in unbinding them, do you do you figure out why that's the case? Why do why even the most privileged or most educated people still attach in a stigma, some sort of stigma to personal development, therapy, mental health, well-being, uh, you know, what did you think? What what did you what does your experience say? Why why is that the case? I mean, I don't think I need to try very hard to understand because you know, having lived most of my life in Pakistan, having been exposed to um, the culture, yeah, and what is said in you know society amongst just so many layers of society, I think it wasn't very difficult for me to understand where they were coming from where that you know resistance or hesitance is coming from mm -hmm. um it's around us like at least in my personal experience it's been you know amongst friends or family i think on on a societal level we have this mindset and i think you alluded to it also earlier in the conversation of don't fix what isn't broken and i think mm -hmm. mental health is one of those intangible things right so Let's say somebody's put on a lot of weight. You could tangibly see it. People comment on it all the time. Oh my God, you put on so much weight. But mentally, whatever is going on, emotionally, whatever is going on, it's so intangible that there's just no, there hasn't been enough conversation around acknowledging it and giving it its a rightful place in terms mm. of, you know, something that you'd actually spend money on, right? Or something right. you'd actually take some time out on, on a daily basis or a weekly mm -hmm. basis. Um, so to answer your question also, like, you know, the stigma is coming from, like I briefly mentioned, the kinds of responses that a lot of individuals, like a lot of my clients, for example, have come mm -hmm. for coaching to me, okay? And they'd say, yeah, my, my partner doesn't know I'm getting this. So I need mm -hmm. to take my calls at work or oh, wow. I need to take my calls from the car. 
Yeah. Or my my family doesn't know if they're living with their parents. My family doesn't know that I'm take, uh, that I'm you know taking these calls. Yes, of course, there is also certain clients who have supportive you know and understanding right. um, partners or families. But there is a fair chunk who, just like you said, are you know from the best schools or universities, and you know are have gotten that that privilege. But still, from a mindset aspect, they have taken a decision that they need support. They've shown the courage to actually sign up for those mm-hmm. sessions. But, you know, they know that like, listen, I just don't want to go through what my mom is going to say or what my dad is going to say or what my husband or my wife is going to say. Mm-hmm. They don't know I'm taking these sessions. You know, so it Could, happens. Yeah. Did you Did you unlock like is it just purely cultural and what people have attached to it? Or is it also just like a, a mental block of their own? Like they perhaps aren't aware of that. That's people, I guess why people stop themselves or ignore this idea of uh, personal development or mental health or therapy. Well, I mean, as for my clients, they've taken the leap of faith. They've right. taken the plunge and signed right. up, paid right. money and prioritized right. it. They're showing up. But what they don't want to do is to open up the scan of worms, which knowing their friends or family members, they know that it may not go down really well with them, or it may be a yeah, triggering. It might be treated as like damaged goods. Like they might be treated as damaged goods. Like, oh, you know, this guy is, you know, loose up top or something. If yeah, they, like that's, that's one extreme. Exactly. Yeah. And then another extreme is, you know, it could be so many different responses that would just make you feel uncomfortable or you make you not want to, um, you know, have that conversation. And I feel like to all the listeners over here and even, you know, um, in my circles, what the one difference that we can start to make is to start talking about these things. You know, like talking about, of course, you don't need to go into like a, a history of like all your experiences, whatever you don't want to share, you don't need to share everything, mm-hmm. but making it normal in your friend circles, in your family circles of how you're seeking support. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's helping me. Or how you're going for your weekly therapy or your weekly coaching sessions. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's something, just the way you go to the gym and it's, right. there's no questions asked. Or just the way you're going for, let's say, yoga, um, mm. you know, this is your mental, emotional upkeep. Or this mm. is you taking yourself and your life seriously. If anything, you should be applauded for it. Yeah. You know, so just making that a conversation or just, you know, saying it, mentioning it. I feel like really like I've had a lot of clients who who felt really good when they'd hear like friends mention, you know, oh yeah, I've been, I've been seeking support from X, Y, Z. By the way, like 50% of my clients come through referrals. Wow. Yeah. And now these referrals are okay. You know, like I, she told me about you and she said that you were, so, you know, it comes from word of mouth, but I know that we don't, like, I'm not saying talk about me, obviously, specifically, but talk about it in general. What is helping you? Mm-hmm. You know, what is helping you? Is it your coach? Is it your hypnotherapist? Is it your therapist? Mm-hmm. Exchange numbers, share the resources. Exactly. You know, these I think, conversations uh, yeah. need to happen. So, where, where do you see, like, 
do see that needle has moved uh, a little bit, at least as far as these experiences are, are concerned, specifically in expats. I mean, do you feel like, uh, even if it's in the West, but do you feel like the, this is starting to get a little bit normal? Uh, if this was, you know, if you were to rate it out of 10, where are we on the scale? Are we at a three, moving towards a four? Are we five? How, how far do you think this community has come or is going uh, when it comes to mental health and, and self-empowerment? Um, that's that's a tough one. I think there's, there's always work to be done for sure. And I think that's also, you know, part of the big reason of why we're having this conversation um, and why I'm getting passionate about it like this. <laughs> but at the same time, having worked with all these expat clients, you know, it's really refreshing to see that um, people are taking this seriously. Okay. You know, and I think um, one of the things that other than the stigma attached to it, other than the extra courage you need to show to actually sign up or, you know, reach out for that support, you may or may not be getting the support of your friends and family members, right? Mm -hmm. Other than that barrier, there's also the barrier of how Western therapy doesn't necessarily, you know, you have these preconceived notions, not, and usually they're a little bit negative, what you've seen in the movies, what you've yeah. seen on shows of Westernized therapy, and you think, you know, what am I going to talk about? Like, do they even understand me? Do they even understand my life? Right. Um, so A, there's that. And then on top of that, like, I've had a lot of clients who mentioned to me, by the way, that, yeah, I took therapy, I took one or two sessions, just you know wasn't for me and then i didn't it didn't work out and then i went off of it like four years you know they get so disillusioned that oh i mustered up so much courage i blocked time on my calendar to do this and then i'm speaking to someone and because of obviously my own like subconscious preconceived notions and all of that and also the fact that maybe a lot of western therapists cannot understand the South Asian experience of life, for example, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they get so disillusioned that then they just back down and they say mm -hmm. that, you know, okay, this isn't for me. This is just like woo-woo stuff. This is really mm -hmm. not for me. I don't want to talk about my feelings to, you know. To quote-unquote strangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so right. my message to anybody who's gone through anything similar to that would be mm -hmm. to find someone you can relate to. Right. Like it's it's a process. It's a process and it's OK for it to be a process. Um, I think those are yeah. those are a couple of things I wanted to also ask you about is is because, again, I'm being very selfish here because these are things that I think about as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if a lot of people think about these things as well, but the 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 the, the process to find the right person. I think I don't know who mm -hmm. I heard or where I read. I don't remember, but um, they said that your first therapist is not usually the one that you end up sticking up with because it's almost kind of like a discovery phase when you feel like oh yeah you almost like go through the first one is like almost like a stepping stone um and that kind of like you know interests me because i'm almost like thinking that if i were to go that route it means definitely i need to go through a few uh, before i en end up deciding which so that also again sounds like work you know what i mean so i'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure a lot of people might think about that from that angle they're like oh my God, it's not I like, have to go through these people almost like interview them and you know and then feel who I connect with maybe if I don't connect maybe that's going to take five 
you know people i talk to maybe two maybe 10 who knows right so who what, what do you say to them because that's what sometimes sometimes holds people back into exploring these things yeah yeah no i think that's a very valid question and just and then also would... i'm sorry just one more thing yeah. and then also someone like me specifically would find it really difficult to to disconnect because i would feel almost like obliged to stick with the first one i'm like okay you know i'm too i'm too shy to even like let them know that i'm sorry Ken. i would stick with the same barber even if they're butchering my head you know hairs out of just you know sheer niceness that i that i don't want the guy to feel bad you know so i'm that yeah. kind of person so so okay. i'm sure people think like that as well they're like oh god i need to stick with them because they're such a nice person you know they're nice but it's not working out for me but they're per- you know they're personally they're nice you know what i mean so they don't yeah. want to hurt their feelings yeah. so what, what do you say about that so i think the the headline that i want to put across is it is super important to click with your um with the expert you're working with be it yeah. your coach your therapist whatever it is yeah. very important to click with them however at the same time i know that this is something that we hear very often but at the same time it's not as if you're going to click with them in the first 5 minutes of the call yeah right so you need to go in with an open mind um mm-hmm. it's not as if you can write off like you know an entire gender or an entire race or in like you know mm-hmm. just be open right because everybody is different everybody mm-hmm. has their own working style everybody mm-hmm. is different and mm-hmm. by the way somebody who maybe doesn't suit you in this season of your life might suit you in That's the next true. season of your life yeah you know and you're not going to this is not a life sentence zeb this is also not like a marriage you're not yeah. going to stick to your therapist you can potentially i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but mm-hmm. also a lot of the people that i've come across and even personally you don't stick to the same person for life yeah you actually you know learn a lot in different phases in different seasons of your life like let's say you're an expat you've just moved um you want to work on how you can better self regulate manage your emotions and also you know things that work are going a little haywire find mm. the person who can best help you mm. treat your goals your personal and professional goals the same way you would treat you know you go for your corporate sector or whatever you know job and you have like a fiscal year and you know review or like an mm-hmm. action plan treat mm-hmm. your personal and professional goals the same way write them down and be like okay now how do i get the resources who's going to be the best person to support me and who do i click with and yeah. trust your gut trust your gut you don't need to over intellectualize over analyze anything yeah right trust your gut and your instincts in the process because it's not always a left brain decision you know mm-hmm. for example I, i i give this example to um a lot of my clients like if you you have to hold up your end of the bargain and your um coach or you know hypnotherapist wh- what whoever it is it has to hold up their end of the bargain but it's a 50-50 partnership mm-hmm. you know so if you mm-hmm. fall short or if i fall short like we won't be able to make that 100% change possible for you so we both need to hold each other accountable mm-hmm. be transparent mm-hmm. be open and this is a relationship that you need to nurture over time Correct. and you need to have that transparent open honest communication mhm have you said no sides. 
have you said no to someone that you feel like they're not clicking because it's as you said it's a 50 50 thing so do you yeah. feel like that in maybe session three or something where you feel like oh you know what maybe this guy or this 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 person is sticking with me because they're too nice to to say no so maybe let, let me help them out and just say that hey you know i think maybe you should look at someone else because i, I don't think this one's gonna work do you have you done that hmm. um there have been a few times i think a lot of the time there's like just a natural filtering process where no. you know if we don't click then both of us aren't clicking you know what yeah. i mean so yeah. then perhaps like they're not going to follow up and sign up and i'm going to be more than at peace with that because mm -hmm. at the end of the day and this is what i say to each and every one of my um, you know uh, not my clients but the people i chat with one on one in their compatibility call so i have like this yeah. 30 minute compatibility call right and the purpose of that call is so we chat we have those 30 to 45 minutes yeah where we get a good handle on you know who you are who i am do you have any questions we see where we are and okay. if it if there's a spark if you know there's like that uh click connection yeah exactly we go forward and if there are more questions then we see and then maybe they keep it at the back burner maybe they come back a few months later because they're like okay now it now i really need to take the plunge and i right. now i know you exist and right. a lot of times like that it's just instant and then a lot of times if there's no click it's usually two sided right it's all mm -hmm. energy so right. um there have been a very like very few times where I've, where i've basically referred them forward not okay. necessarily That's because a nice there's way. no yeah because there's it's not necessarily because okay i'm not going to hit it off with this no that's not the case for me but it's more like am i the best person to provide mm. them what they need right now and if right. i can yeah. find someone who's even like who's the best suited mm -hmm. i'm more than happy to and that's the intent of the, these compatibility calls is it's not about me signing up clients and upon clients about upon clients like it it's a partnership yeah. right so it's a little bit about signing those clients right just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> not really not really wow. actually yeah i feel it's easy to get lost in that in that need for okay must sign him on must sign her on but i think just like you said like connect with your why why right. am i doing this right you know that's true um yeah. i'm sure you know we both don't want to be stuck with each other if we're not clicking for a month true. so it's like why why sign up the client you know yeah 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 makes sense i mean so now that you know they've gone through the discovery exercise they've sat down with you and you've understood where you're coming from they want to sign up uh one thing yeah. that again a challenge that i feel like expats or people from our background uh have in their minds which i want to pose to you right now is um they want to see benefits they want to see tangible benefits come through i wouldn't say like you know really quickly but as soon as possible um mm -hmm. and i i don't also don't want to put you in a position where i say okay mujhe kab fayda hoga let me know like kitna time lagega isme right it's not like you've mm -hmm. given your car to a mechanic and say kitna time mein fix hogi um yeah but i also want to ask you about like because it is a service it is a you know it is an exercise with a, a, a an end goal right in mind it's not yeah. like you know just you're just talking to someone it's it's a goal oriented exercise whatever you do yeah when do you feel like that goal a i guess a what is that goal is it tangible is it not tangible b 
how soon on average do people start to visualize and see that goal being achieved? Because I think that's what, again, another challenge of people moving in that direction, I feel, again, selfishly thinking, is they don't know how long do I need to stay? How, how long do I need to, you know, how much time do I need to put in to get to what I need? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. tangible, uh, tangibleness of a goal is is what people or benefits what people, you know, wonder about. What do you have to say yeah. about that? Um, I think this is a great question because again, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, this, you know, uh, podcast was, it's very intangible, right? Your emotional well-being, your mental health, well-being, it's all very intangible, but the good part is, and very subjective. Mm -hmm. And, but the good part is that it's so interconnected with, your physical well-being or your performance at work or the quality of your relationships or the quality of your communication like are you or the like how confident you're feeling like it's also a feeling but at the same time you can see it right like it's their manifestations all around you Mm -hmm. of course it doesn't it's not like a magic pill in terms of okay you know you're you've you've worked you know, you've, you've had three sessions and now all of a sudden your relationships are perfect. You know, yeah. everybody's being great and you're being yeah. great and you're communicating, but it's a process. It's mm-hmm. a journey. And the way that I work with my clients and based on my experience over the last, you know, over three years is that one-off sessions don't amount to really anything anything yeah that's true yeah that's true. which is why i tend not to work with my clients one like for one-off sessions and i think that helps me also sift through serious clients because you know you need to be taking it seriously um so i work with my clients anywhere between one to three months and one month would basically be four weekly sessions Mm -hmm. and that's the minimum Right. And then a lot of those clients then sign up for another month or another Mm -hmm. month. And then the goals also, of course, there's always like these these goals and the goals are sometimes tangible and sometimes they're not tangible. Let's say, for example, somebody wants to um, work on just how they're feeling. They're feeling super overwhelmed. They've just uh, you know, I had a client who had just recently graduated from one of the top tier universities in the US entering the workforce, but everything was just crumbling around him, right? Mm. He didn't understand like, okay, I've done everything I wanted to do in my life. Now what? Right. I wanted to do my master's, done it. I wanted to go and work in this company, done it. I've done everything. And now I need to like transition into the workforce, but there's this sudden disillusionment, there's this sudden you know, what next, what now, and really low levels of like well-being, mm-hmm. right? And for him, the ta- the goals weren't very tangible, but like three months later, when he reaches out to me, he's just like, I couldn't get out of bed. And now, and I couldn't do my laundry. And now I'm in a place where I feel like I have control and I'm okay with the uncontrollables. And he's doing laundry, you know? which is good to know. And he's doing laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, it's intangible, but those effects and most of my clients, like they, they'll reach out to me a few months later because that's when they'll start like, you know, reflecting. And then some yeah. of them, 
yeah. on the go also like kind of for example i'll give you another example and the reason i'm giving these examples is just to give you a really brief and quick glimpse and a flavor of mm-hmm. it's very different from case True. to case mm-hmm. and challenge to challenge so for example um somebody wanted to work on their relationship with a parent who had been extremely toxic very bitter um a lot of baggage and that's actually you know where a lot of emotional release was needed it's not yeah. as if i worked with the parent i worked with with the client mm-hmm. and literally and and this is the beauty of hypnotherapy by the way maybe you know subconscious work and subconscious reprogramming and emotional release two sessions later like i'm having one hour long conversations with my parent and i'm enjoying them going wow. from radio silence to this why because there was so much backlog of undigested emotions and baggage that you've been keeping in your body in your mind that you can't you can't even speak to the person properly without all of that mental chatter and now you've done this session on yourself and it just goes to show how much power and agency we have we think that a relationship you know will only change if both of us are working on it and they have to change and i have to change and only then no you just changed your mindset you just released all of that toxicity from within you and here you are you can actually have a conversation and have a good time reconnecting mm. catching up that's interesting so, wow yeah is is that is that purely based on out of based on just releasing those emotions or is there i mean when i say releasing your emotions what i'm what i'm here when you say releasing your what i'm hearing is that just talking about them is that what it no. is or is it just is it more than that just that it's it's more than that and it's not just talking um so in this case for example and in my experience i've found um in a lot of cases to get much faster results and to go through that journey in in lesser time and in also in a more effective and efficient manner hypnotherapy is something that's been really really effective and what hypnotherapy basically is i'll just tell you in a nutshell is yeah. subconscious reprogramming mm-hmm. and subconscious release and it's basically done through relaxation and guided imagery um and as you go through that guided imagery you're not necessarily like the way you and me are talking about it right now we're in this conversation you and me zeb are only using 10% of our minds which is our conscious mind mm. 90% 80 to 90% of our mind is subconscious and that's mm. what calls the shots of how we feel when we get triggered when you know we have these unprocessed and undigested emotions this baggage all of that is there and that's why we tend to self sabotage procrastinate um react in a way that we don't feel good about later um say things we didn't mean and the list goes on you get the gist right right um and hypnotherapy is amazing in the fact that it allows you to do therapy in the state of hypnosis which is basically accessing your subconscious mind So, so it's you're making like that change out? actually. What, what, no. what are you? No, no, no. You are awake, you are aware, you're in control, your eyes are closed, 
you're able to open them whenever you want, but mostly you don't feel like I usually in my sessions, I think in the end I have to tell them like, you know, I have to like kind of bring them out. Hey, they're awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, they're just, they don't want to get out because it's just such a beautiful and relaxing and healing process. Um, so wow. you're not passed out, but if I were to give you a very quick analogy, like, you know, metaphor for it, just imagine if there's like a circle, which is your brain, the top 10% is your conscious mind, 10 to 20% bottom, huge part, subconscious mind calling the shots. Right. So only change, like the change that you want to make within yourself is only possible if both your conscious and subconscious are on the same page. Mm. Hypnotherapy allows you to do that because consciously I'm going to tell myself I'm going to start working out or eating healthy from Monday morning mm. or I'm going to stop smoking or I'm going to stop nail biting or I'm mm. going to whatever it is whatever the goal yeah, is yeah, consciously yeah. I'm you know but subconsciously if it's not aligned you're not going to be able to do it or it'll be extremely like it'll be a one-off you'll go one day and then you'll be like this isn't for me Right, right. So what happens is that in between these two parts of your mind, just imagine like a bouncer, you know, a bouncer of a club, like yeah, standing yeah, there, not yeah. allowing you in. Okay. Yeah. In hypnotherapy, you basically, you know, tell that bouncer to relax, you know, maybe have a glass of water or something. <laughs> he allows you to go into the subconscious. He's sitting there. He's not passed out. Nothing. He's there. He's alert but he's given you access willingly and openly to enter your subconscious, to understand what's happening there, to understand the root cause or the genesis of your challenge, if that's necessary, and then to reprogram and create new neural pathways in your mind. Okay, you want to stop nail biting or you want to feel less anxious in social situations, let's create a new neural pathway. But first, let's get rid of all that baggage and all of that mm. undigested stuff. Let's get right. rid of that and release it. Not so that you forget it, but so that it becomes a mere memory to you. Right? So which okay. doesn't like elicit so many heightened emotions within you. So you don't get triggered, triggered about right. it. Yeah. So right. you're no longer getting triggered. You still remember everything, but now you're working on a new neural pathway and reinforcing that of, okay, now I feel more confident when I'm giving a presentation, or now I'm feeling more confident when I'm meeting new people or networking, going for coffee chats. So yeah, that's what it is in a nutshell. <laughs> is it is it as easy as you just described it is, or is it? Of course not. This has been I mean... a year, like it, the, the training is over a year long. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, very technical. Um, but the but the procedure uh, uh, is what I meant that that you know the whole subconscious and entering and all of that you know uh, uh, almost reprogramming your mind is that I'm just wondering how is that consistent for different completely different people like how can the same solution be used for it's not the same it varies okay. from person to person personality okay. to personality issue to issue. Which okay. is why, like before I work, like in terms of hypnotherapy, before I work with any client, um, I have like an extensive, it's an hour, maybe an hour and a half long session, mm -hmm. although it's supposed to be an hour, but I let it go, mm -hmm. where we go into their entire like, you know, family history, like uh, stages of life, everything, okay? Mm -hmm. Whatever they'd like to share, they don't need to share everything, of course, but true, like true. I basically create an entire blueprint of their lives mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, also understand how their brain processes information and data based on which I will take them through guided imagery accordingly. So it's not a one size fits all. It varies from person to person. But the process is the same. I mean, I know the 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 ways to get to the ends is perhaps different. The for process people. changes based on the oh, based process on the kind changes. of person it is. Yeah. yeah ah, interesting. Wow, wow. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that hypnotherapy kind of thing that really that really blew my mind a little bit. I was yeah. I was yeah. That was really good. That was really good. I want to you know explore that for sure um well i know uh we're a little bit of over an hour and i want to be mindful yeah. of your time as well and this was again a fantastic conversation i enjoyed it and um learned so much about this whole um you know the work that you do the challenges that you face and you almost kind of like resolve them as well and um i hope you know people listening to it can explore this because you don't have to be you don't have to show up at the mechanic with an absolutely broken car you can go there if even if it's like just showing that you know a little bit of signs of uh being a little unfit so don't don't wait until you know you have your four arteries blocked before you get a heart up or high, uh, a heart operation so uh, i hope that you know people take that out of it because it's not like I don't want people to think because I'm almost hearing people, you know, might say that, oh, okay, yeah, this is this sounds great, but maybe I'm not there yet. I'm like, I'm okay right now. I think that's again what you said. You know, you, the first step of, you know, there has to be, there are issues unresolved emotions. It's mm -hmm. barely possible. If you're an expat, that's BS. If someone tells me that they don't have any unresolved memories or emotions, because that's how we we grow up, you know. Yeah. Um, Although I don't know about Islamabad that much. I mean, I'm a Karachi guy, so we, we, we have our bit challenges. I'm sure Islamabad uh, is slightly different. Oh, yeah. Um, it's all the good same. Way. <laughs> um, it's all the same. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, I just want people to, I mean, uh, to explore this. Uh, I'll put uh, your, your handles and your website on the description in the description as well. And it's going to be floating up in... in front of you as well to give her a follow uh reach out to her you know explore you know what what works for you she's the expert she's going to help you navigate through what you need um it's you don't have to figure i think one thing as well i want to be really clear on is that it's not on you i'm assuming to figure it out it's on the expert to then help you figure it out it's not like you're not going into a, a coaching discussion with the pressure that you need to know all the answers is the other person who needs to do that work. I'm, I'm assuming that's the way, obviously 100%. it's going to be going to be a two way street, but don't go thinking that I need to, I need to really come up with a solution. It's the other person's job. That's why you're going to an expert. So any parting words, anything you want to add to that uh, before we conclude? No, I mean, um, thank you so much for, for having me here. Zabe. This was an amazing discussion. I think we could, easily go on for another oh, yeah, hour yeah, yeah. but of course sure. you know <laughs> life but um but no i think i just echo what you said you don't need to wait for things to get really bad number mm -hmm. one um number two is you know i i don't think we spoke about this a lot but i'll just leave it as one of my parting thoughts as well is that coaching just the way you have coaches for sports teams, you have them for the mm. best players and you have them for the worst players. So 
seeking support be it coaching or be it any other kind of support does not right. say anything negative about you in fact it actually says positive things about you because it means you're taking your life your goals yourself and your relationships mm -hmm. seriously and that's what we need to do because we get one shot at this life so mm -hmm. don't shy away and trust the process and trust your gut and reach out to whoever it is that you feel called towards reaching out to um, because believe me it's it it can make a huge difference yeah 100%. Um, couldn't have said it better. Uh, appreciate your time again, Serena. This has been great. You were really gracious with your expertise and your time. Um, we will definitely be in touch and I hope to have you back again sometime down the line as well to really further explore. As you said, there's so much that um, that can be discussed and, uh, you know, the like we're only like scratching the surface here, I'm sure, in terms of experiences oh, yeah. of an expat. Um, but yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back with another one. Cheers. Thank you very much.